This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Party! Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kinda like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. You remember when you were younger and you'd go to the movies and you'd see people at parties and they'd be having all sorts of fun and getting drunk and getting wild and having crazy times and you knew that one day you were going to be old enough to go to parties and then one day you were at parties and you realized it's just people standing around having the same boring conversations that they have at work and eating charcuterie, sharknado and and sipping wine and it sucked that's what today's show is about parties and how they're better in movies yeah yeah i never really got to any of the parties with the the liquor and the insanity and the titties i need to go take a nap Party on! Partay. Partay! <laughs> well, this is the Magnificently Huge Podcast, as you know from the intro. Yes. So, intro. Well, first, let's tell them who we are, because there might be some new people. Okay. You're Chris. <laughs> I'm Chris. I- I'm Brian. You're Brian. And I, I, am, I am Eric. And this is the thrilling podcast where we really know what we're doing with intros. Uh, I think it's just because we are socially awkward, and yeah. it just comes through, honestly. Mm. Uh, even with each other, we're socially awkward. That's what I like about this topic. It's it's replete with irony. <laughs> yeah, but uh, partay, soiree, yeah. fiesta, uh, all of that. Forever. <laughs> All right, so how you been? I got one little story I'll tell here. Okay. Um, so I upgraded my internet connection, right? I, I needed more, you know, I have a, there's a cap, and then beyond the cap, they start charging you for, for more activity. And with, like, I'm streaming, you know, Netflix at 4K, and that's chewing up my cap. So I bumped it up. I go online, and I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, assholes. I'll pay for more internet. And when I did this... There was this thing that popped up and said, you got to pay us $164. And I'm like, why? But I, whatever, I paid it. And then I go to the, the Cox Communications store and I'm like, what was that? And they can't, first they're like, I don't see that charge. And I'm like, well, let me show you how it's on my credit card. <laughs> uh, and so they finally find it. And then it's got like some cryptic note about it and they can't understand what it is. So they give me this number to call to call billing. So I call billing and they can't find it. And I'm like, oh, I've already been through this with you, with you jerks. And uh, finally, I go down, put on hold for like 10 minutes. The dude comes back. So the $164 was money I that had, they had written off from an account I had in 1993. 
What? Parent- <laughs> That's crazy. Now, I would just like to point out a couple things. One, they had already written it off. Two, they were not Cox Communications. Cox Communications was not the cable company in Arizona in 1993. It was TCI Cablevision. And I guess Cox bought them. And then after writing off my $164, they looked me up via my social security com- number and charged me for it now 25 7 whatever years later <laughs> that's insane and i'm like i'm like you know did, did you not pay the bill i'm like i, I don't know maybe you know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah i don't even remember what i was doing in 1993 much the less yeah what i was doing so, with cable so what i'm here to tell you folks is that collections agents have gone next level they can find your ass from 1993 yeah. <laughs> even if they already wrote you off <laughs> yeah well, that makes me Boy. nervous now because I thought I had cleared up pretty much all of my bullshit. Yeah, but so did I. Damn. I will tell you this. Uh, back in the day when I was super slacker and I would get the collection calls, uh, they do not like it when you say, dude, you can't squeeze more blood from a stone, okay? And. <laughs> Click. Nobody does. <laughs> they don't like that. Yeah. So no. Yeah. If you needed further Just proof say. that we're living inside of a a, a a movie, besides who's president, the idea that they're named Cox. That that right there is hilarious. <laughs> and no one ever says anything. We're Cox. Yeah, we know you're Cox. Yeah. But why are you doing this? <laughs> well, it sounds like everybody's doing fabulous. This week. Yeah, I'm. I I found a bunch of of apps where you can do um, surveys and junk and get points and then redeem the points for Target gift cards. And believe it or not, that is my new hobby because it is <laughs> it fucking like, easy. It sounds like a pyramid scheme. It kind of is, like but a, like I a get Ponzi deal. He's selling all his data. <laughs> yeah, really? No, that's that's the thing. It's not my data. It's the character of my data. I get because I'm oh, Lord. actually like doing the responses myself. My problem Are with you- Facebook is they just sort of milk whatever you're doing and you don't know what it's used for. Here, I'm actually getting something for it. And it's whatever I say. Are you answering truthfully? I'm guessing no. No, more or less, I guess. Well, like, okay. <laughs> it's a... Here's the, like like one of the interesting questions. I'm a 34 year old debutante from Brooklyn. Other than that, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, one of the interesting uh, questions is: um, Are you Hispanic or Latino? And uh, I am of Italian ancestry, and Italian is a Latin based language. Ergo, I'm a Latino. So I tell them this. Um, okay. Then they ask me. <sighs> I was just if sitting I, here waiting I, for the racist thing to come out of Eric's <laughs> mouth, and we dodged it. This shit is racist. This is racist. Then they ask, so like, do do you primarily speak uh, English in your home? And I say yes. You know, of course they mean, do I speak any Spanish at all? But they don't ask it that way. So it's like a lot of. I don't so much lie. I could lie. I don't care. But what makes it fun is to sort of answer around their questions but it doesn't matter because in the end of the day i'm going to get a bunch of target gift cards well that's what well all right great yeah that's what i'm up to okay well that was riveting and i'm glad you told that story (laughs) (laughs) thank you cox Uh, cox uh (laughs) 
That's okay. <laughs> Let's just do the fresh shit. Come on. Yay! <laughs> this shit is fresh. I'm guessing, okay, this is going on a limb. Uh, Eric has been listening to podcasts this week. Uh, actually, I read a book. A I, whole I, book? I read Thomas Harris's new book, uh, Kari Mora. He's the one who wrote Silence of the Lambs and all of those oh, that's right. Lecter books. I forgot he was doing a new one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. How was? It's not good. No, no surprise there. And and the thing is, he's always been sort of the genre fiction thriller guy, but his books were always a little bit better than that. This is yeah. just about basic dreck. I mean, okay. Well, I remember when the the Silence of the Lambs movie came out and everybody was reading it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was a popular book, and and Hannibal is actually really good uh, as as a book on its own. The movie is not, but the, the book is great. But, okay, so it's a woman who's a caretaker of a home that used to be owned by Pablo Escobar. And he hid in the house a stash of uh, uh, money. And a bunch of people are trying to get it out illegally. And so it's sort of a heist film. And then there's this crazy torture guy. And so it's you know, lector-ish, but it's it's all by the numbers and kind of uh I, I I think the the New York Times book reviewer said this not only doesn't read like someone who's written a best selling series, it reads like someone who's never read a book. I think that's about right. <laughs> it's all television. Wow. So I by hope- reading Thomas Harris you have read more books yeah. than Thomas Harris. Yes. I I really hope that one day I could write a book where people tell me that it sounds like I've never read a book. Yeah. That would be awesome. Because that means I would have written a book, finally. Yeah. <laughs> really. That's the takeaway. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You, uh, it's still a book. And the reviewer, yeah. I doubt, and, uh, has read a, written a book. If only someone would review this podcast and say, this podcast sounds like people who've never read a book, and put that on <laughs> iTunes and give us five stars. Oh, that's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. You can and make then, it and then go over to our... Our Twitter feed and uh, like that page and then share it around too. That'd be good. Hey, wait, we're ending the show already. Okay, we're done. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, anyway, yeah, so it's not not worth a read. Yeah. What do you got? So, um, well, screw it. I like hashtags and and maybe this one will get a few extra listens. Uh, So I went and saw the new Disney live action Aladdin. Oh, yeah. It's made like $90 million or something opening weekend, which has far surpassed their expectation, and that's ridiculous. It's not yeah. bad. It's not. It's it's actually pretty entertaining. I mean, it, its main problem is the existence of the cartoon. Yeah. Right? Which, which I mean, it's hard to out-surreal <laughs> a cartoon, right? <laughs> See, that sounds vaguely like... If if there wasn't you know this if there wasn't a cartoon this would all be screamingly original. It's like well yeah because it's not yeah well, that's kind of the whole point. Well yeah no it's not it's but, not at all yeah but I think you've but, also nailed Disney right there to a T. Yeah <laughs> so bam they so they this is the first time I think I can say 
they got the right director when they got Guy Ritchie yeah. to direct this movie. Does um, he do his like visual ticks in this one, or does he kind well, of? That's hold it what's back? so interesting about it is he does some really. It's he's more subtle about it, but it's it's only subtlety in the fact that it happens in scenes that are just so off the chain, like fucked over weird anyway that (laughs) it doesn't matter but (laughs) okay so the big trick he does in a few different scenes there's like three big show-stopping numbers there's the you never had a friend like me dance in the cave of wonders there's the prince ali coming into agrabah thing and then there's a new song all the new songs are alan menken uh that's sung by jasmine who got the biggest rewrite They do a much better job with um, modernizing Jasmine than they did in the 90s. Uh, and she has a new song in the palace as Jafar is taking power that's, that's really well done. But in all of these, what Guy Ritchie does, this had to be a really painstaking shoot. Because, first of all, you've got the camera moving through spaces, very sort of Matrix-like, you know, just, just whipping all around the place. but characters in the same shot are filmed at different speeds and it's all in it's still lip synced and it's still dancing so you've got some dancers where the camera was under cranked so they're moving like unnaturally fast except it's still in time to the music and others who are practically frozen in time like bullet time and then others that are at normal speed in these crazy tracking shots and it's really cool <laughs> hmm. okay so, as a piece of just, like, you know, giving he- editors a migraine, uh, I think it's interesting. <laughs> well, that's kind of Guy Ritchie's bag anyway. But, yeah, it seems like if you give him a giant budget, he just cranks it up to 30. That's what it sounds like here. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. The music is is well-performed. There's really nothing bad about it. Um, they the, the monkey that's on Aladdin's shoulder is actually a really well-done CG character. Um, Iago the parrot does talk, but he talks like a parrot. Oh um, no, Godfrey! Like Gilbert, mm. no, it's, it's Alan Tudyk, but he's just making a generic parrot voice. He's got quite the uh, the side career going as a voice actor because you know Rogue One and this yep. and yeah. yeah, interesting. So okay. I mean, it's I could see how uh, you know. Let's face it, the original Aladdin is. What pushing 30 25 to 30 years old? Yeah, it's like 27. I can see how a new generation of kids would watch this and get out of it what kids got out of Aladdin back in the 90s. I think, I think it would work on that level, so I don't have a problem with it in that regard. Yes, it is very good because it is utterly impossible for them to watch the original Aladdin (laughs) (laughs) given today's technology, exactly. So so I I want us to go back and hit those those movies in the in the very near future since this is the summer of remaking the Disney Renaissance in live action but uh we'll get there. Okay, well I I do have two questions for you related to it. Uh number 1 um how is Big Willie in this one? Is he a fair substitute for Robin Williams or is it just grading? He's a fair substitute for Will Smith. 
Um, <laughs> okay. And by that, I mean, there are thing, there are a couple of scenes where the genie sings and there's no fucking way that's Will Smith's singing voice. I'm not buying it. And when he raps, it's Will Smith's voice, but I'm pretty sure he's dubbed well, uh, when he's singing, especially Prince Ali, where he, he goes for these really high notes and it's either auto-tuned to the point of unrecognizable or another singer or both. Prince Ali, fabulous he, Ali Ababwa. Show some respect, fortune you flat down on one knee. Now try your best to stay calm. Brush up your Friday salon. Then come and meet a spectacular coterie. Well, I got to tell you, I'm never going to forgive him for that Wild Wild West thing. So You shouldn't. Nobody should. <laughs> just, just keep that over his head. Um, but no, he does fine. I mean, if anything, this genie is, you know, he's not doing celebrity impressions, right? So it's not as dated yeah. as the Robin Williams genie. But, I mean, how are you going to compete with Robin Williams? You don't. You just kind of have to make the genie your own. So I've seen, you know, I've seen the cartoon Aladdin. I've seen the Broadway show Aladdin. And I've seen this Aladdin. Each one of them has a totally different take on the genie. And the show does kind of hinge on the genie. Do you find the genie to be entertaining? And yeah, Will Smith is still a charismatic motherfucker and he can hold the screen. Okay. Hmm. How How does it compare to Dumbo? You recently saw that one as well. Uh, it kicks Dumbo's ass all over the place. Dumbo's a piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> just dumb. That's, we'll just say that. Okay. Uh. And then, uh, one other movie, uh, because I wanted to, you know, we still wanted to go to the movie and, uh, there was nothing to see that we hadn't already seen except for Long Shot with Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Oh, the oh, rom-com oh, thingy. that, yeah. Okay. That's weird, weird movie. Um, it looked, we laughed a lot. It's funny. Yeah, it, it's a funny movie. It looked totally realistic from the trailer. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. okay. So yeah, uh, 40-something single woman who looks like Charlize Theron is credibly running for president. Uh, no. Not, and not then, in this day and age. No. And and then she falls for Seth Rogen, who is somehow the same age as Ice Cube Jr., his best friend from school. <laughs> um, it's movie magic. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, none of the none of the stuff that actually drives the plot is remotely believable because I mean, you just heard the premise. Not believable yeah. under any circumstances. But as it. There's kind of two movies going on here. There's a Seth Rogen rom-com where he's basically playing... Uh, it, it's a fairy tale. Uh, yeah, it's a fairy tale and a Seth Rogen rom-com. That's the best way I can put it. Um, the fairy tale is your typical princess story meets the, the handsome prince, you know, gets swept up into the world of palace intrigue, and it's that, except fair, Seth Rogen is, the, is you know, the, the farm maiden or whatever who gets turned into a princess um the other bits uh it's clear that there was a story like uh charlie's there when she signed on she had somebody else come in to to do some rewrites on the script and it and it's good because there's there's some pretty good solid modern feminist takes going on that don't seem forced or patronizing or even written by males um 
So I think she's making she's making some good feminist statements while also being in a movie where she gets to play a character who like uh, does Molly and gets fucked up in a club and then has to do a hostage negotiation while she's tripping balls. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that sounds like the centerpiece of the entire movie. That's probably where it stemmed from. Well, every Seth Rogen joint has got to have drugs in it, right? Pretty much, yeah. That's, yeah, a, so, that's almost a given. Um, yeah. Oh, and and the only other thing that I had I wrote down about it was I had to to note that Seth Rogen's character, who is trying to look kind of like you know he's a '90s kid, but he's grown up now. Uh, he he's wearing tapered cargo pants. And <laughs> does that bother you somehow? It bothers the character. He hates them. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's let's put him in some pants and then make him talk about his pants. There's, well, yeah. There's a scene where he's he's gonna get laid and he can't get the stupid tapered pants off. You know. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a, seeing this either. No, I wouldn't bother. <laughs> yeah, Eric. I'm gonna say it's a long shot if you watch it. Oh, See there you go. Then what it did there. Because we tied it in. Oh, okay. Funny. Would you watch it again? Would you watch it again? I don't think I need to watch it again. Okay. It was fine. It was How? fun. I I laughed a okay. lot. Okay. Yeah. How was Will Smith in it? That's really what I want to know. Now, Ice Cube Jr. was Ice Cube. <laughs> that, okay. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is doing nothing but just being his own dad, including his breakout role as Ice Cube in Straight Out of Compton. <laughs> it's true. Um, Like, I don't know. Would you do that? If you... If you were that guy, would you be okay with that? I guess he's making the money. He's getting all these roles, but it's kind of weird just being your dad. I guess, but when you look at it, I mean, Ice Cube, his whole film career is based on being Ice Cube, more or less. So I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah, so I guess it's like the family business. It's like a hardware store he's handed down to his kid. You know, now you're Ice Cube. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) Ice Cube and Son. That'd be a show right there. (laughs) Yeah, my my wife and I were talking about it, and and she said uh, he he's a chip off the old block of ice. Boom. (laughs) I said, cool. That's awful, (laughs) man. I love it when uh, your wife does dad jokes and then you relay them to us. That always makes me laugh. (laughs) She's awesome. Thanks to Jolene, friend of the show. Uh, All right, Chris, save us. What have you got? Uh, it's not going to save you. Uh, Damn. I'm afraid. Uh, Hulu just started a mini uh, run limited series of Catch-22 done by George Clooney. So it's like a six okay. episode thing. Uh, I really, really wanted to like it because I love the book. I've always loved the book. The Mike Nichols movie, not so much, but it's still got moments. So I do enjoy it. Uh, with Alan Arkin as Yosarian and a cast of all kinds of stuff. Buddick Henry did the script, uh, so it's fun. This one, I really wanted to like it, and it's just it's missing something. I just couldn't quite place my finger on it, because it's not quite funny. Uh, the drama seems kind of forced, and they made the questionable choice of taking what is essentially an unfilmable novel, so that's their first hurdle. And the, the book basically bounces through time so it's not in any sort of chronological order because the whole thematic of the book is just this circular logic that just drives people insane eventually uh so it's not only like military bureaucracy but just general bureaucracy etc etc but they made the choice to tell the story linearly and it just doesn't mesh with the source material 
because uh, the reason the source material works when like like that is because it it's supposed to make you uneven, keep you off kilter, and so you kind of get snippets of Yosarian being crazy, and then serene moments where he's not yet crazy, and that feeds into that whole catch twenty two thing where they say if you come to the doctor and you say I don't want to fly because I'm afraid I'm going to die, they can't ground you. Uh, but you're if you don't come and ask them then you're crazy because you want to fly and then they can ground you, but they can only ground you if you ask them. So it's just like circular so, argument thing, uh, which is the catch. So Chris, your experience with catch 22 between the book, the movie and this TV show is I like catch 22. I don't like catch 22. I like catch 22. <laughs> Basically, I don't like catch 22. Yeah, I think it just depends on who's interpreting it. Uh, the show's got moments. Don't get me wrong. It's filmed very lovely umbertones, uh, it harkens back to that nostalgia that never really existed uh, in that 40s era. Uh, and Clooney directs like two episodes, and they're actually the strongest ones of the whole thing. Like, there's a whole episode midway through that's all about Milo Minderbinder, which is the mess hall guy who's basically just a war profiteer. And it's just all the shenanigans that he goes through to do these ridiculous deals that don't mean anything. Uh, and the guy that plays so- him is, uh, is quite stellar. Could they take this this show and just re-edit it to not be chronological and have a better version? Uh, I would think it would be better if you know the book, but that's the other problem. That's the other catch, uh, is that if you don't know the source material, then when it's all disjointed, it would probably bug the shit out of you, because you don't really know where to follow along. Because through the book, you kind of build your allegiances because he introduces all the characters, and then you get to kind of know their quirks and such. And then it kind of plays out from there. But I don't know mm-hmm. if the medium would handle it. Like, the Mike Nichols movie does a fair job because it actually hews pretty closely to the structure of the book. Uh, and it's funnier to me than this thing that Clooney did. So... That's, I guess that's the missing ingredient, is that it never really becomes any sort of laugh-out-loud deal. It just is kind of mildly amusing at times because it's just a frustrating bureaucratic mess, uh, and I think it kind of just misses the point of the book. They, it's, it's like, that's, did you ever see Monuments, man? That's the problem with an adaptation, though, is that like it was originally done as a book, and so everything works. But if you're trying to be faithful to the book... yeah. In a movie, it doesn't make sense. It's like when people say some movie isn't realistic. You're watching a movie. It's it, none of it's realistic. You yeah. know, a real dragon I, wouldn't I, do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's supposed to be a book, but it's not. So yeah. do whatever you can with a movie to get the idea across. That's why I don't like it when people are exactly like the book. Yeah. Well, the they get the same point across. Well, the Mike Nichols film is is solid because Buck Henry actually adapted the book. So he did the screenplay. Uh, and Buck Henry is a very good screenwriter for that sort of thing. And so it actually gets a lot of the tone of the book, right. And he cherry picks the right moments in the book to propel the story on screen. Uh, but it's also helped by just a tremendous cast of side players like Bob Newhart as major, major, uh, John Voight as Milo Minderbinder, who back when he was, you know, not crazy, uh, doing his thing. Um, you had- You're implying there was a time when John Voight was not crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, when I didn't know he was crazy, we'll put it that way. Uh, and like Richard Benjamin is in it. You got uh, 
just a, a lot, you know, solid utility players. This show, they don't have any real names except like Kyle Chandler, I think, plays uh, the Colonel Cathcart, the squadron leader who's just, who keeps upping the missions and slowly driving Yosarian insane because every time he hits like one away from the mission quota to go home, they raise it by another five. And it's just this perpetual thing. Uh, and then like Hugh Laurie plays Major DeCoverly, who basically through a fluke where Yosarian tries to get out of a mission by moving the bomb line on the map overnight, uh, goes into Nazi territory to claim uh, like a headquarters and then gets captured by the Nazis. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, just stupid shit like that. So some of it they get right, but it's still just sort of eh. And I was kind of disappointed by it, It's it, which is too bad. Because it's a strong novel, it's one of my favorites, and everyone should read it, but don't watch the adaptations. Yeah. That's just All right. Like, Anything yeah. else? Uh, no, that took up all my time this week. It, uh, it's six hours of, of fun that uh, will leave you wanting uh, Catch-22. So, parties. Party Partying. Partying. That's uh, good. What sort of sort of a broad spectrum topic this week? Uh, parties in movies. It's it's funny because the 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 eighties teen comedy is what we all grew up with, and it told us mistakenly that we were going to be having lots of fun at parties when we got older. Yeah, which is I don't know about you, but was not the case for me ever. No. No, <laughs> no, no. And that's the thing I realized watching uh, parties and movies is that everyone is like talking and laughing and doing stuff, but they're not actually doing anything with each other. They're just sort of moving. It's because they're background actors. Yeah. And there's a Foley artist who's putting in the sound of chitter chatter. And, you know, there's there's a soundtrack. <laughs> you go to an actual party. It's a lot of people like sort of uncomfortably going, I guess we're at a Party. Yeah. Yay. Who I mean parties are generally an excuse to drink, right? Like that's the the main point. Mm-hmm. Let's drink. Some people will get boisterous, some people will get sloppy with each other, and people like me will go hide in the corner somewhere and be lonely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. At least even when, when we were all hanging out back in the day and we would do parties, uh <laughs> Like, we would never really interact, if memory serves. It's like it was always sort of just everything else would go on around us. And, uh, you know, they're just sitting on the couch, just kind of watching things. That was always my thing. Yeah, we were pretty horrible. We would sort of, like, click off, at, like, at our own parties. We'd, we'd, we'd sort of, like, <laughs> yeah. combine into, like, that, that colony of, uh, eh. and then outsiders would come in, usually somebody's girlfriend, and be like, so what are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fairness, some some at least one of our friends who who threw some of these parties, they threw good parties. And uh I know this person listens to the show and thank you. Those were good parties. We're just bad guests. Yeah. Is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> although although I do like the fact that we were also very cognizant of not wrecking anything uh and being very polite about that. Which yeah. is not the case in any of these teen movies where essentially the house just gets destroyed. Uh, that does, doesn't ring true to me. Because yeah, most. That's, 
That's yeah. one of the the uh, party movie types. Is the the parents are gone? That's like a, a, a classic trope <laughs> yeah. in these teen movies. Um, let's see. There was uh, um, risky, risky business, business. I think is yeah. that's that's the beginning of the the rich parents gone sort of craze. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Is when the rich kids have a party, the houses are bigger than a fucking municipality courtroom. Right. building you know what i mean it's just like come on like we were always at like a middle class like ranch home with like three bedrooms i mean it's just that is that's the party right there that's the not movies, like i think it was some kind of statement like these are this is a successful family of successful people and so yeah. good for that kid for cutting loose finally but <laughs> yeah. they always yeah they always lived in like an aircraft hangar of a yeah. house like a palatial estate yeah yeah Oh well. well, they're all like that in Shermer, Illinois. All the houses are huge. <laughs> yeah, they really are. They really are. Uh, well, when you propose this, I mean, immediately the teen comedies roll into your brain, uh, and they're all kind of relatively interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I started thinking about movies that were outside the teen comedy realm that deal with parties, and uh, mm-hmm. and it's harder to come up with those. The you know, best one in that category is Eyes Wide Shut. Which one? <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Oh. It's got an amazing party scene. Uh, yeah. But like one for like moneyed older people. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That is not comfortable at all. <laughs> and, <laughs> Honestly. And, and when is Tom Cruise going to cut loose at this party? Yeah. But, oh. Exactly. Uh, and his tidy whities uh, to <laughs> Bob Seger. Yeah. Oh, that would have been. That's, yeah. I said Fidelio. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the Kubrick director's cut right mm-hmm. there. Uh, but the other uncomfortable one that I thought of was the like the lawn party in Office Space where the guy's been hit by the truck and he's in the wheelchair and things and he gets to retire off the big settlement. Oh yeah, <laughs> and everybody just looks really bored and uncomfortable the whole time. And then that's like literally every party I've ever been to as an adult. It seems so that one that one rings a little too uncomfortably true to me. There's uh, <laughs> a lot about that movie I'm, where that's the case. Yeah, I'm always the guy at the party who is unafraid to be the first person who leaves, and then I always break the dam, and then like suddenly. 80% of the party like immediately leaves. It was just, they were all, we were all just hanging around waiting for some other person <laughs> yeah. to have the balls to say, I'm done. Ha- I'm not having fun and I'm leaving. And I have no problem being that guy now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that's pretty much it. It's, uh, ugh. Ugh. doesn't make you think <laughs> that you were bringing the party down. <laughs> no, no, I'm yeah. saving these people. The party was bringing itself down. I am rescuing the, those trapped within it. Actually, it's just a Brian doing a humble brag about how he's the supreme alpha dog. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, I'm, I'm the shit, people. Uh, yeah, that's I'm, me. I'm done with this. I'm the trendsetter. I'm gone. <laughs> and then everybody leaves. Yeah. I was not interested in parties before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's uh, we go around and going, where'd Brian go? When did he leave? That's basically how it happened. <laughs> so. Yeah, everyone, no one wants to leave the parties in the movies. They're they're always ragers and 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 and, and stuff happens. Like yeah. Kelly LeBrock walks out and 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 shows how Wyatt and Gary are cool. Yeah, with Road Warrior like there's aliens. A, there's a thing that happens. Yeah. Well, real parties are just like yeah. 
I don't think we're getting laid. Well, no, the, we're not. The John right, Hughes let's drink more. Well, the John Hughes aesthetic is sort of a a watered down version of the like the gross out comedies from the seventies that came along like Animal House. But John mm-hmm. Hughes sort of touches on them, but like the party in Sixteen Candles, it's it's a rager, but it's not totally outside the realm of realistic possibility. Uh, you know, you got kids getting drunk and doing stupid shit. It's just like when the weights crash through the floor into the wine cellar. And, uh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. It's sort of like, okay, that's sort of moving into the cartoon realm. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, it's I think it's totally true. It's like all these pockets of kids hanging out with their particular tribe, and they don't really co-mingle so much. I think that's mm-hmm. where the stuff like that gets nailed. Uh, but then you think that's what parties are like when you're a kid watching those things, and then you go to an actual party, and they're not like that. It's just, it's like a mind blower thing. It's sort of like when you watched Animal House as a kid and you thought, that's what college is going to be like. And you get yeah. to college and you're like, oh, wait, this is not college at all. I just, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. It's that kind of thing. Chris's how- freshman year has been explained. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be toga parties every night. Yeah. So uh, I have to do like homework. Movie. Yeah, what, what the fuck? <laughs> this is oh, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think party movies do a service to kids that never have actually been to any parties. Is my thesis. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a trick to weed out the weak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's. I'm sitting here going, maybe parties were just what we make of them, and the reason they weren't wild and crazy is that nobody acted that way, and and you know you suck because you didn't. But eh. maybe. Yeah. maybe. Well, I think once once we all learned how to drink tequila, I think the parties loosened up a little bit. But you know, yeah, I mean, we had some good parties. They were just small parties. Yeah, I don't know if they were parties. It was just like getting together with your buddies yeah, and like, drinking, like right? Gatherings, but, yeah, yeah. But big parties always made me uncomfortable. Like, did yeah. you guys did you guys rewatch anything this week to prep for this, or I did? Are you just swinging off a of memory? No, no. I, I, I did, but I didn't watch an 80s movie. Okay. So I actually uh, watched This Is The End, uh, the, <laughs> the Seth Rogen, James Franco, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Danny McBride movie. Yeah. Is that an 80s movie? Okay. Not in the slightest. It's yeah. a 2000s movie. Yeah, it's like 2013. Yeah. yeah. That's a... That's a fun one to watch start because they basically lampoon all of their celebrity buddies uh, for like the first 15, 20 minutes. Uh, oh, yeah. And, that, <laughs> and that's really that the party scene is only that first that first bit right yeah, before, before the, before the rapture hell mouth opens up. Yeah. Um, you know, but so they've got Michael Sarah being a coke fiend and just being a complete <laughs> jackass. Yeah. Blowing when, it in the face of McLovin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like uh, Jason Siegel's in it, and he's at the top of the stairs with Kevin Hart uh, talking about his sitcom. He's like, so, yeah, like, I come walking out of the kitchen with cake on my face, and somebody goes, where's the cake? And I go, I don't know. And then Kevin Hart just starts laughing hysterically, like, that's funny, that's funny. It's like, no, it's not. It's not funny at all. Uh, so, yeah, that party would be fun to kind of attend uh, if it were true. But uh, it's sort of a heightened reality. But uh, yeah, that's the yeah. that's that's another uh, problem with movie parties is there's a writer to make it interesting, you know. Yes. Yeah. 
it there's there's well, um, i don't i don't know if anybody wrote the party for that movie i think that movie was just a bunch of those guys fucking around uh yeah. <laughs> making fun of each other but right. yeah but they wrote it before they they did it yeah they had an outline they had but, there's uh, uh what's his uh gosford park there was a party and it's it's a another you know robert altman abomination but in everyone's basically talking at the same time and he just turns up one microphone and turns the others down so you can hear what this one's talking about and then moves the camera over there hear what they're talking about that at least is more realistic it's a bunch of shit happening at once yeah but not not exactly fun for a movie i i just i just hate robert altman i hate that i had to bring him up (laughs) (laughs) well i like uh this is the end mostly because it's more like the world's worst after party that's the movie uh it's sort of like them hunkered down but the the bit with jonah hill being possessed that's the one that makes me cry every time it's just it's so (laughs) blasphemous but it's like jay baruchel like with the crucifix going the power of christ compels you oh really does it does it? Does it? Does it compel me? <laughs> I don't. I don't find it very compelling. You know, it's just that makes me laugh every time. Uh, but yeah, not a true party by a long shot. No, uh, but clearly they they had a good party making the movie. They had like everybody in the world there. Yeah, at the time. But yeah, I I was originally going to watch Weird Science. And then I'm like, oh, do I really want to sit through Weird Science? And then it wasn't free on any of the streaming services. And I'm like, no, I don't. I yeah. don't want to sit through Weird So I watched that instead. <laughs> yeah. I actually ended up watching it the same day as I watched uh, Long Shot. So I watched two Seth Rogen movies in a single day. Nice. And did the, the line ring true when Danny McBride basically says, Seth, all your, all your movies are shit, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I have a soft spot in my heart for Seth Rogen. Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, what about you, you know, Eric? I, I was thinking actually the the sixteen candles one also brings up a lot of these get a little rapey, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things that I think it's why the teen comedy is not going to make a comeback is that they always get a little rapey. It's like you 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 almost need to have a woman lose her agency for her to finally say, "I want to fuck you," and then they do, and then the next day she's not like. What? Like sixteen <laughs> candles? She yeah. her, her her perfect reaction should be, "Did you have sex with me, you motherfucker?" <laughs> I'm calling a cop. Yeah, it's uh, it's troublesome. It's yeah. troublesome. John Hughes did more to promote rape culture than I think people understood yeah. at the time because mm. yeah, pretty much every one of those parties uh is a date rape scene at least in part. Yeah, and. Yeah. But with a happy yeah. ending. It's like if there's a post-coital permission in <laughs> then it's all fine, you know. It's like yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not how it's supposed to happen. Well, that's why I like uh the bit in Heather's when she's at that frat party and the dude basically tells her point blank, you know, I just want to get laid and it's just a, a and very fuck you to the entire teen genre when you watch that scene because it's basically her just going oh this is complete and utter horseshit yeah. you know and they call it out but i think it kind of goes unnoticed in the grand scheme of the movie uh but when that was made that was not something a lot of people were addressing i don't think so it's kind of refreshing yeah i i get the feeling yeah uh, we 
We're recording this in May of 2019 when the Me Too movement is in full stride and the the uh, Republicans are outlawing abortion in the case of rape. And it's kind of touchy a subject, folks. Uh, yeah. We're a bunch of middle-class white males in our 40s. And... Uh, We've gotten to a dark place. <laughs> we need to go somewhere else. Uh, okay. Well, I immediately thought when Eric brought this thing up, and I don't know if you've seen I know Eric has seen it, but I don't know if you've seen it, Brian, but it's the 1968 Peter Sellers movie by Blake Edwards called The It's actually called The Party. Uh, I actually don't think I've seen this. Oh, it is! It is one of I've my all-time yeah. favorites. It basically, it, if you can ignore the fact that Peter Sellers was cast as an Indian actor, uh, so they whitewashed the shit out of it. But it was 1968, so oh great, we've yeah. gone from rape to blackface. <laughs> Good job, us. Um, so if you can ignore that, basically he's just a bumbling actor who gets a mistaken invitation to a Hollywood party after he's been fired from the movie that he was working on. And it just sort of him interacting very awkwardly with everybody at this Hollywood party. And it's just like a human cartoon. It is so funny from start to finish because it's, you know, he's just the babe in the woods just doing his thing. And, uh, everybody around him is kind of reaping the wind, uh, of everything that he's doing. Because it's like this weird mod 60s house. So like There's a pool that runs through the physical house. So there's like running water everywhere. Uh, like furniture that moves in and out of the walls at the touch of a button. It's very Jetsons-y. Uh, and through the course of it, just Peter Sellers is just this innocent little rube uh, that just wreaks havoc. It is so, so funny. So Peter Sellers goes to a party at a Bond villain lair? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. It is, it is essentially... Uh, and and the whole time, yeah, he is he has this this innocence, but oh god, that that part with um, you'll never work in this town again in the beginning. Yeah, that's the clip. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like a, he's doing like a Gunga Din kind of movie, and he mistakenly blows up <laughs> the giant fortress before they can film the climactic battle. <laughs> so it's basically cost the production company everything, uh, and then winds up at this party. Uh, but the funniest through Greg through the whole thing is there's a, a like a waiter. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he shows up in a bunch of stuff in the 60s. And he is just passing drinks around to people on the tray and they don't want any. So every time they walk off, he turns around and he swigs a shot. And like vodka, bourbon, whatever. So in the course of the movie, he just gets snickered. I mean, he's just blotto shit face drunk. <laughs> and uh, you can see like the progression. It is just like all happening in the background. It's so ridiculous. But it's uh, that would be a party that I would want to attend. And that's the only reason I really bring it up. Yeah. Because it's fun. That's, that's really the question. Which of these uh, movies has a party you would want to go to? And I know you had said that's yours. It's funny. That's my wife's too. Yeah, it's a classic. So you man. guys can hang out. Yeah, we can watch the party. Well, I did rewatch House Party uh, this week as well. Did you either of you watch that one ever? I saw it like in the theaters. Same here. In like 1991 or whenever the hell it came <laughs> 1990, out. 1990, man. <laughs> this I was thing close. Is, yeah, fucking kid and play. But it's it, good. It's it's not bad. I mean, it's a little bit dated, but. 
that's another party that I would love to attend because they literally, there are two things. Like, there's the, the dance-off with the two girls, and then you get Kid and Play doing, like, the, the ankle clip hits and stuff. Uh, and then there's, like, the rap battle. Yeah. <laughs> like, show me a party where any of that ever happens, uh, and I would like to attend that. <laughs> Your white ass was never invited <laughs> to that party. <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, but I figured, like, yeah, all I could think of was just movies with the word party in the title. That's pretty much where my mind yeah. went. <laughs> my, one of my favorites is Bachelor Party, because that's hilarious. And I think Tom Hanks completely disowns it, because it's, you know, back from the young and interesting period. Because it's off-brand. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's just a raunchy comedy. I mean, it's yeah, right. But it's so fucking funny. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's got its it, moments. That, that is so legitimately funny, and and it's it's not funny in a well written way. It's funny in a psych gag way. You know, there's so many just moments of insanity. That's what I love about that movie. It's it's bizarre. the The part when they're having they're having a chase. Uh, through a movie theater and it's the multiplex and they all run, they come to just like a screeching stop as they look at the map of, of, of theater houses, because it's, it's like, it's a, it's like an explosion in a yarn factory. They were commenting on how, how (laughs) multiplexes had just gone crazy with, (laughs) and at one point they open a door and there's two people in a closet watching a TV because (laughs) I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's a good one. Ah, well, that's like, uh, I revisited bits of animal house as well. It's another one that, uh, I don't think it's aged well, but it still makes me laugh. Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, what I like about as far as just the party aesthetic is because the movie starts with the very sedate uh, Omega house, you know, just a very austere sort of affair uh, where they sequester all of the nose very surreptitiously in the corner and make them sit together. Uh, mm-hmm. And then anytime they try to interact with the, cr- the crowd, they like ring them back around to the corral. <laughs> it's like Lonnie, Muhammad, Jugdish, Sydney, Clayton. It's like, oh, we've met. Oh, super. You'll have lots to talk about then. You know, it's like it's like fuck you. And then they go to the Delta House and it's just this free for all. I mean, it's just yeah. a night and day. And that's I think why I went, oh, this is what college is gonna be like, man. It's gonna be like this all the time. Uh, when the real the real lesson is of course, you know, don't have a caste system. <laughs> basically yeah there is no cast system i also thought of the the party in matrix reloaded anybody go that far oh i didn't think of that that unnecessary <laughs> moment it's of more, party it's more of a club <laughs> than yeah, a party basically, right? yeah it's like you talk about molly everybody's on molly there right it, it made me think of like some producer who was wildly you know horribly unhip who said my kid says these raves are big we should put in a rave <laughs> yeah. got, any, got any rave we'll rave it up we'll we'll do some raving yeah they're all raving it was it was just the the prototype for all of sense eight apparently which has a scene like that in every freaking episode Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so would those be your favorite party scenes then? Is that what I'm hearing? No. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, don't get me going on it. <laughs> okay. Don't get me started. Okay. Uh, well, let, let's, let's cut to the chase. Which of the parties in party movies would you want to go to? Uh, well, definitely the party. I will say that now. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, when I wrote this down, I basically said that I would not want to go to any of the teen film parties at all. No, not as a teenager, not now, not ever. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it's just, and I think I think a lot of those are supposed to be, you know, just <laughs> isn't it great to hang out with really horrible people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I did also watch Can't Hardly Wait, uh, which I hadn't seen in a while. And God help me, I still enjoy it because it's this weird distillation of the party movie. And so it's got all of the stuff, all of the tropes that, you know, and love. Uh, and it basically takes place at the party and that's all it is. Uh, and it's reasonably entertaining, but I think it just, it came out the year before American pie. And I think got totally overshadowed by that whole weird juggernaut. And so people yeah. don't know it as much. Uh, but yeah, I didn't see it. Well, the, yeah. I, you know, I'm it, struggling it to come a- up with, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm struggling to come up with a party I'd want to attend out of all of these. Uh, you know, maybe the one from Weird Science where Chet is an alien monster, just because that might be cool to see. <laughs> but that's about all I got. Uh, my nuts. Well, the only one I could think of that I would really want to attend was there's a '60s movie from American International called Ski Party, uh, which is done by the same people that did the beach movies, but they set it at a ski resort. And Wacky. It's got, yeah. And it's it's got Frankie Avalon and uh, what's his name? Oh, I always forget his name. Dwayne Hickman. Uh, How could you forget Dwayne <laughs> Hickman's name, Chris? Doby, just say yeah, Doby. It's Doby Gillis. And so they basically it ends up being they rip off some like it hot, where they're the only way that they can get in to meet the girls is to dress up like the girls, so they're wearing like the ski suits and the wigs. It's really fucking horrible. <laughs> Uh, Chris wants to go to the party where he has to cross-dress to get in, everybody. Thank you. That's that's my thing. But there's this weird interlude in the middle of the movie where all the white kids are hanging out at the ski lodge just doing their thing, and then James Brown and his entourage just show up on sleds just out of the blue, (laughs) and they let him in, and they're like talking, and like, I know who you are. You're James Brown. And then he goes into a rendition of I Feel Good, and it's just like he's wearing the crappy, ugly sweater in front of the fire doing the james brown thing i feel good and all these white kids are dancing around and then you never hear from them again it's just like boom we got james brown put him in the movie (laughs) like i want to go to that party right there (laughs) so that's the only one i can think of the frankie and annette holiday special yeah basically basically i wanted i really wanted to go to the parties that are in amadeus because they are (laughs) they're before electricity they're before uh you know, bothersome electronics. You can do whatever you want because there are no laws, really. It's it's funny if you think of anything before the 20th century, it was just insanity. You know, yeah. people are drinking absinthe, you know, they're... <laughs> And they think well, they're going to hell. That's the best part. Everybody thinks they're going to hell. And so there's like real stakes to like <laughs> everything you do. And so that just makes it that much dirtier and awesome. Well, every time I see it, and then when you brought it up, it makes me think of him. Like, Eric would totally be 
Amadeus in that scene where they make him play the piano and shit upside down. <laughs> but when he's taking requests and there's like naming all like Brahms and Chopin blah, blah, blah. and then Solieri in his mask says Soli- yeah, says play Solieri. He's like, oh, that's a challenge. And then he basically <laughs> plays the song and then at the end like farts on command. Yeah. And it's just the biggest insult and it's like, oh, god damn it. It's like, no wonder Solieri went nuts. That's the scene right there, man. <laughs> He plays it like a children's tune. That's yeah. what makes it so insulting is yeah. the, you know, oh, isn't this crafty? Yeah. No, that'd be a good yeah. party. I guarantee that one. That's good. Mm. And uh, all candlelight. Yeah. <laughs> but so no other part. I mean, this is like literally the worst topic for us because we're not, <laughs> we're not party people. It's just funny to me. Uh, I especially I enjoyed about it. We, yeah, we are, we are like horribly antisocial and that's why we end up sort of like <laughs> gathering. And the thing is we make each other laugh so much at these parties. Other people want to like sort of move into the clique and we don't let them because we don't like people. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, so it's very exclusive. Up. Uh, Clayton, Sydney. So, if you want to try and move into our clique and 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 be rejected by us because we don't like people, <laughs> you can try reaching out to us on Twitter, where we are oh, at MagHuge, well or or go to our Facebook page, Magnificently Huge Podcast, where we will talk among ourselves and ignore you, or go to our never updated Instagram because we don't care what you think about us, and, oh. and we're magnificently huge there. Oh, no, it's uh, updated now. It's updated now. Oh, Gauntlet okay. thrown. <laughs> All right. Um, you can send us an email, uh, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com, and we'll just talk to each other about you behind your back and not reply to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, mm. go to our webpage uh, where you can try and and get to know us better so that maybe you can come up with something relevant to say to us because there's all of our old episodes are on that uh, website. It's it's maghuge.com. You can go there. What uh, was that address again, sir? M-A-G-H-U-G-E dot com. I'm writing go it now. down now. Operators are standing by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, please share the podcast. Rate it on your podcast apps. Try to get us some traction. Tell yeah, people that you heard really an episode that was better than this one, and, you know, they should check it out. <laughs> yeah. And just no fear, there's a party at the Moon Tower in the making as we speak. <laughs> How did we miss that? <laughs> <laughs>